Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon. Welcome to the Dads Off Duty podcast. I am your host, co-host, Seth Michaels, joined this evening by... Jason, you took a pause there right before your name. I almost thought you forgot what your name was. I was like, I have to jump in. <laughs> yeah, the idiot is strong with me this evening. Um, I think I just have a lot on my plate this uh, this last week or so. I'm going to take a moment. Uh, I just kind of want to talk about what's going on in my own life um, because I think it's important for dads or guys to not necessarily disregard their feelings. So something I want to tell you guys, uh, this last summer, I think I've mentioned it before, this this previous summer, I had hip surgery on my left hip. It was the second hip surgery I've had done in two years. And it's gone okay. It's been a really long recovery. Uh, been pretty hard on the family and not able to do things with the kids and stuff. And with all of the extra pressure that I've been putting on my right leg, I went back to my orthopedic surgeon. You know you're old when you have your own orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> and I went back to my orthopedic surgeon, and I was like, my right hip is just is really bothering me. I was, they're like, well, let's get an MRI. So I got an MRI, and basically he came back and said, you know what? Your right hip is trash. I said, great. I said, what does that mean? And he's like, well, you know what we did to your left hip? I said, yeah. He's like, we're going to have to do it to the right one. I said, can we do it this year? Because uh, I hit my deductible. Do you get like a buy one, get one half off deal or anything? Well, it basically it's buy one, get one free because I hit hey, my deductible. Oh, wow. And because I have such a, I, we picked the high deductible plan. So after we hit it, it covers everything. So, you know, I get my left hip done and I get my right hip done for no cost. So put your left hip in then you put your right hip in. That's right. And then you shake and them all about. I can't shake it about for three months. <laughs> but yeah, so it's kind of a little bit of depressing news. You know, just I really wanted to be able to spend this holiday season, as you know, active and with the kids. My kid has his second birthday three days prior to my surgery. So that's kind of nice. Um, but I will be having the surgery December 18th. So right before Christmas, it was the latest they could fit me in. So I'm kind of bummed out about not being able to like be active during Christmas. Um, the other part of that is, so not only have I had hip surgery, uh, I've been like, why is all of this, these horrible things happening to me all the time? Why do I have to keep having surgery? I've had shoulder surgery and hip surgery. And so I went to a rheumatologist and they're like, oh, yeah you have hypermobility joint disorder. I'm like, great. And he's like, oh, and you have fibromyalgia. Great. So it's just kind of a, a rough week emotionally for me. Um, this is one of the times where I'm really thankful for my kids because no matter how down I am, like, you know, <laughs> they always find a way to smile and laugh and giggle and make things happy. And right now, Jason is going to find a way for all of us to smile and laugh and giggle with the dad joke he came up with for this evening. So hit me with it. Yeah, I'm going to do my best. Yeah, th this one I came up with all by myself. I had no help from the Internet at all. That's a lie. Where is he looking at his phone right now? <laughs> what? No, 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 I just got a text. 
Uh, oh. <laughs> where do baby ghosts go during the day? Um, hit me with it. Day scare. Day scare. Oh, I like that one. It's cute. Hey, um, it is Halloween, like we said. We're upon. It's upon us, Halloween. And I just wanted to know, as a dad, you know, you've got kids. This is one of the best times of the year if you're a kid. However, we're in the middle of this gigantic shithole called COVID. What are you doing this year uh, for Halloween? Um, as I've mentioned, I live in Wisconsin. And right now, Wisconsin is the holy clusterfuck of everything that is COVID-19. So our children will be doing zero trick-or-treating. Well, I shouldn't say zero. Our plan is to have our kids dress up and we'll drive them to like our parents' house or people that are within our like social bubble. And, you know, they're going to have treats and snacks and stuff that they can give them. And so they can show off their costume to people still. Um, But yeah, with the with how the people in my area are still treating covid and i do not trust uh our kids or myself to to go out trick-or-treating and exposing ourselves to possibly hundreds of strangers yeah uh so what we're doing is we are inviting two of our good friends and their families over Uh, we're just having like a little party at our house so we're gonna get like a pinata and we'll do some candy hunts and some games and We'll just throw a lot of candy at them and uh, we'll just make do with what we have. But that's the plan is to not go trick-or-treating either. In fact, I think everybody in my circle of friends and family that I have talked with, I can't, I don't know one person that is going trick-or-treating this year. One family. I mean, obviously there's going to be families that trick-or-treat, but you know, this year we're going to turn our lights off on the outside and we're not handing out candy either. Um, It's not going to happen. So we'll, we'll, We'll get through it. Yeah. Um, you, it's it's tough because I I hear a lot of people from my area. And again, Wisconsin's just so bad for it right now. But I hear a lot of people in my area are just still like, yep, I don't care. I'm going to, you know, we're going to go trick-or-treating. Kids are going trick-or-treating. Their grandparents are going trick-or-treating with them. I'm just, I don't, I don't understand it. Um, but that's not going to be us for sure. So. Uh, I do know that my oldest, my four-year-old has like trick-or-treating at his 4K tomorrow, or like he gets to wear his costume to 4K tomorrow. So that's pretty cool. That's exciting for him. It is what it is, right? Yeah, (laughs) it is. Um, Okay, let's continue down the pathway of horrible. I'm just kidding. Um, Let's let's continue uh, our talk to get on with for the topic i i can't speak let's talk about the topic for this evening there we go and that is um kind of along the same lines as we just discussed child and adult pressures so like the pressures we perceived as children and then the pressures we kind of have to deal with now as adults and that's one of them as an adult right making decisions like this we have to make you know our kids can might want to pressure us into going trick-or-treating in the situation but 
you know, as a parent, as an adult, I, it's not safe. So it's something that you have to be willing to just kind of put your foot down on and say, yep, sorry, guys, you know, we're doing this to not only keep ourselves safe, but keep everybody else safe. Yeah, we've been making a lot of decisions like that uh, the last, you know, six months. There's been a lot of things that my kids have just been used to doing. And, you know, this year, I think they're coming to grips with the fact that it's just everything's on pause. Vacations in general are on pause. Um, you know, just like our weekend activities that we used to do, we used to go to Home Depot, you know, once a month and build a craft. Um, you know, we used to go to like these climbing places. We talked about this in the past where, you know, you kind of just let them run around and jump and climb and play. And obviously that's all done and, um, making those difficult decisions, but you know, I'm sure there are families that are are going ahead and, and doing a lot of these things and it's, you know, I don't, I don't want to make this like a COVID episode again, but you know, just because it's so present right now, there's two schools of thought, right? And it's like, well, this is like the flu and we're just going to continue going on. And, you know, I think, especially like in our case right now, schools in our area are starting to open in a hybrid version. So some of my daughter's friends are now switching from the online only to going in person a few days a week. And it's gotten back to my daughter that, you know, we're some of her friends and she's finding out that, wait a minute, they're not doing what I'm doing. Dad, what, you know, why can't I go to school? So-and-so's going to school. And you just have to, you know, my wife and I have to stick with our guns and say, you know, we're sorry, we don't feel safe sending you to school and what they want to do is up to them, but we're making a different decision. Yeah. You know, the other part of that is that's so tough is, kids go to school like that and then you have to almost make the decision to further reduce your social bubble too beyond that so um if you have a small social bubble where you see you might see like um elderly family members or something because you know that you're being safe and they know that they're being safe and your kids start going to school how confident are you spending time with those family members now really tough it's that point hits home to me because actually we found out about a week ago that my um, wife's dad and her stepmom both have COVID. They were, they were positive and it's honestly, if you know them and know how they spend their days, I'm not surprised at all. Frankly, I'm surprised it's taken this long for them to get it. And now it's like, they want to come over and like see the grandkids. It's like, are you nuts? Yeah. Um, my, What's crazy is my, you say that about a week ago, my wife's mom and her dad, we found out have COVID. <laughs> like, no yeah. joke. Um, now, now, granted, like, he works in a hospital. Um, so I, I, we, we kind of assume that's where he got it from. But yeah, like, you know, we're, we're not going to go see grandma and grandpa right now, you know, like, it's really hard, but, you know, especially for my wife, she's like, you know, well, what do we do if, you know, it's our last chance to see him? I said, you know, we talk to him every day. We, you know, FaceTime him. Those are, that's a horrible yeah. thing to think about, but, um, okay. What kind of pressures 
to lighten the mood a little bit, what kind of pressures did you have as a kid? Like when you were a kid, what were things maybe like you felt that you were pressured into doing? I mean, I think we, we, we touched on this before, but I would say playing sports, I wouldn't say I was pressured, but like looking back, I was involved in a lot of sports after school and, you know, not with the schools, but like recreationally. So it seemed like no matter what season of the year it was, I was either involved in baseball or basketball or soccer, hockey. I did try football for, for a year and it, because my dad was always the coach, I always felt a little extra pressure that I needed to succeed and really try hard. And I didn't want to let him down because he was right there next to me, you know, or behind the batting cage or whatever, watching me. He wasn't, you know, a parent just kind of sitting in the back in a lawn chair watching. He was right there. So um, no matter the sport, I always felt the need to excel, over-excel, um, make him proud. I mean, obviously, you always want to make your dad proud, but there was an extra pressure there because he was the coach. Yeah, so that's the I first can, thing that comes to mind. I can see that. And my dad coached me playing baseball, and I played just about every sport imaginable, too, uh, mostly of my own volition. Like, I pretty much chose to play the sports because... Anything that I, I excelled in it, right? So when you excel at something as a kid, you you want to continue doing it, regardless of how horrible my body feels now, probably because of it. Um, but yeah, you know that was a big pressure for me. So the other pressure that I think about is as when you're a kid, is I have five siblings, um, and I have a twin sister. I kind of always have still do like this competitive nature with my siblings and as the older brother to my my younger brother and my twin sister I kind of always felt pressured to you know look out for them kind of put them ahead of myself uh as a kid you know my my mom was a single mom my parents divorced kind of early I had three older siblings and they kind of stuck together. And then, you know, the three younger siblings. So kind of always felt pressure to, to look after them and uh, some of the other, my other family members, especially as I got older and it kind of changed who I was, you know, going through that and, and making sure that everything was done a certain way. And then what really got to me is eventually as our bubbles expanded and as we got older as kids and started going to high school and stuff and my younger brother and my older siblings started making life choices that I didn't agree with um drugs alcohol you know having friends over doing a, a lot of things the biggest pressure I felt wasn't in doing those things with my siblings was as was in trying to prove that I like wasn't a screw up <laughs> compared to them. It was, it was it's really kind of hard to explain. But the more they screwed up, the more I wanted to be left alone. Like you know, they were getting yelled at constantly. You know, sometimes they were in trouble with you know police officers or, and so it was like I felt it was my duty to be as small as possible in my parents' lives. So uh, I made 
the smallest profile I could. I was, you know, I wasn't around much. I, I tried not to worry them. Um, you know, I, 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 I tried not to be in their lives and my family's life pretty much as much as possible because it was hard for me. Um, and I didn't, yeah, I, I get, I didn't want to worry anybody more than was necessary, I guess. And that's that's a little sad, though, because it's almost seemed like you. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you um, changed the relationship with your parents because of the actions of your siblings. Like you really were the one that lost out on it. You didn't do anything wrong yet. Because of your need to kind of watch over your brothers and sisters in a way you really lost in the end. Yeah. Uh, I, it's something I, I didn't realize as much growing up, you know, it was like, it was a conscious decision I made, you know, to not be another kid of another piece of burden for my family. Um, but it's not like it weighed on me that heavily growing up. But as I got older, it, you know, th that decision and those decisions, something I definitely recognized and realized more and you know, how much kind of it's meant to me. Yeah, it's pretty tough. You know, I didn't really think about it like that until you started telling your story. And I, I think in a way I can relate because I'm thinking more like around the high school age of my brother and I, I you know, like I said, I'm an older brother. Uh, my brother's two years younger than me. And as we got into junior high and high school, it became apparent that um, getting good grades and listening in school and doing the homework was not a priority for my brother. And it was for me. So I always kept my grades really good, you know, A's and B's for sure. Um, and then, you know, as we got into high school, my brother's grades started to slip a lot. And, um, you know, the parents would go to the conferences, then they'd come home and they'd talk to both of us and it would be like, Jason, great job. Okay go into the other room. We got to talk to Justin now. And I think in a way, you know, looking back, I felt a pressure maybe to always do great in the school department. Maybe more so because my brother was struggling so much. I wanted to make sure that I could excel to like make my parents proud because I didn't want my parents to think that they would have two kids that we're struggling in school. You know, I don't know. I mean, rightly or wrongly, yeah. it's, I think looking back, I saw the, my brother struggling and I said, well, I'm going to just really amp it up and just show them that like, I don't know, they're doing a great job and, and I can do it and I want them to be proud. So. One thing I kind of want to touch on with that, something, um, another thing that really hits home with me as growing up was the thing I always heard from my teachers was Seth, you have so much potential. Seth, you have so much potential. Bitch, I know. <laughs> but like, you, you know, like it, it wasn't something that was necessarily being fostered at home um, because of the other troubles and stuff. And it wasn't something that was necessarily being fostered at school because I was bored out of my mind most of the time by what I was learning. Um, 
and kind of like this the pressure to live up to the potential and in my teacher's eyes was always so much greater than it was like at home so like i would i would go to school with like a fire and i'd learn and then i'd get home i'm like i'm not doing any homework <laughs> there's no point to me doing any homework i'm not going to do this you know it's not that i wasn't learning it's just like it didn't seem important to me you know then i would get to school and i would i would feel bad and i almost have anxiety over it and it didn't necessarily make me any better at school it was just i always felt this pressure to live up to this unseen th thing as a kid you know like what is potential as a kid what does that mean to you it didn't mean anything to me other than you know people thought that i was smart and that i should be doing better than i was that made me feel terrible so it's like you should be doing better than you are thank you thanks so much i appreciate that you know <laughs> Yes, like, I wonder how how productive those type of comments are. If, you know, if they come from a teacher or something, like, is that going to make you do better or is it just going to make you do worse? I don't know. Definitely didn't That's make, a, yeah, definitely didn't make me do any better. You know, like, granted, you know, I, I, again, I, I didn't put much effort into it. You know, I, I hate, I really dislike school. I had a, but graduated and stuff with a I graduated with like a 2.1 GPA but I scored a 32 on my ACTs so when you wanted to apply yourself you could yeah, yeah no problem see it's funny because it was the opposite for me I I got really good grades and I, I think I don't even remember what my GPA was in high school I'm gonna say it was like a 3.7 or something whatever but Nerd. my ACT scores was really low because at the time I took the test and I was like this test isn't gonna mean anything and you know, I just basically blew it off. I didn't study for it, did the prep tests or whatever. I just I just skated by and did it and, and left. Come to find out when I went to college and they were placing me for my freshman classes, it was based on my ACT scores. And like, so I went into engineering school and my math scores on my ACT were so low that I was placed in like basically the most basic math you could be put in. <laughs> So here I am as an engineering student taking like the equivalent of algebra one in college. And I'm just like, this is a waste of time, but well, nice work. Oops. The only thing I ever applied myself in school were tests because it didn't require me to do anything at home. It was just like dredge up the knowledge that we gave you. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Speaking of knowledge, something I have a lot of knowledge in is drinks. alcohol yes you, you know where i'm going with this uh i was just gonna say i before we keep going we gotta hit the music all right seth am i going first or you going first is it beer time or is it cocktail o'clock it's cocktail o'clock okay I want to so, know what you're bringing to the table. It's uh, we've talked about it at the beginning. Halloween is upon us, so I have to I have to represent the holiday. So what I have here is a maple bourbon smash. This is a very autumnal autumnal drink. Autumnal. 
Yeah. Autumnal. Wait, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's got oakiness. It's got sweetness. It's got mapleiness. <laughs> I'm making up words now. Um, this this is a bourbon drink, which if you're keeping track at home is my favorite. So I'm really happy here. It's got two ounces of bourbon. I used my favorite bourbon, Woodford Reserve. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, one ounce COVID. of maple syrup. <laughs> one ounce of maple syrup. One ounce fresh lemon juice. Yes. Squeeze my own lemon, Seth. Still Damn. this week I did. You and you and your your freshly squeezed citrus. I know. Wow. I don't mess around, Seth. And then I uh, basically shook that up over ice and poured it over a rocks glass with a big ice ball here. And you might nice. be thinking, well, okay, this really isn't like a Halloween drink. I mean, yeah, it's, I guess it's mapley. It's like fall. But I'm going to turn your attention over here to this thing. Do you know what that is, Seth? No idea. Oh, damn. Look at that. It's getting real smoky. I told you, it's Halloween. What is that? It's a smoker. You just have like a... Why do you have a smoker? For smoked drinks. You can put, some <laughs> cheese, you can put cheese in here. <laughs> you can smoke food. It's a food and beverage smoker. I... It smells... Oh my God, if you could smell it right now, it smells like a campfire in here. I hope okay. I don't off my smoke alarm. So, f- funny story. My wife is cooking tonight. And she's like making sloppy Joe meat and stuff. Uh, and she's like, why does it smell like campfire in here? And I'm like, is something burning? And she's like, what would be burning? And she cooks all the time with just shit strewn all over our island next to the stove. And sure enough, they're like paper, a whole bunch of papers that were sitting on the stove where she was cooking that were just lit on fire. And she takes them and she's like, Seth, these papers are on fire. And she like blows them. She's trying to blow them out, like basically into our living room. So she's blowing burning embers like all over the living room. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, what do I do with it? Put it in the sink. So now this beverage that I just talked to you about has a smokiness to it infused. It's another level, Seth. That's this drink, I, I, I've been told I need to make these segments faster. This drink, I give five out of five. Five out of five. It's got bourbon. It's got smokiness. It's got maple. It's got citrus. It's got all the it checks, all the boxes. Yeah, you could pretty much be Canadian with how much you like mapleness, mapleiness. Is that what you said? Mapleiness. Oh, yeah. Have I made two maple drinks now? OK, I'm, I'm putting so. maple on the shelf for a while after this. Um, all right, it's beer time, people. And unlike Jason, who is waving his hands like he's trying to get the attention of somebody in a stadium. My um, kids are sleeping. If this sets off the fire alarm, I'm in deep shit. <laughs> uh, it's beer time. And for this evening, I am drinking another porter. And it is, you know, porters are slowly becoming one of my favorite drinks. And this one is a milkshake porter. So it has uh, malted milk uh, flavor in it. A little bit of cocoa, a little bit of chocolate wheat malt in it. And it is real good. It's made by Point Brewery. 
which is in Wisconsin, Stevens Point, which is a city in Wisconsin, Point Brewery. Um, so going local with it, it's fantastic. Five and a half percent alcohol, a perfect uh, drink to end your evening if you're too lazy to make an actual milkshake like I was tonight. So, yeah, uh, for this, the point, Points Milkshake Malt Porter, I'm giving it a five out of five stars. <laughs> Dual perfect scores. Yeah, it's real good. I'm really firing all cylinders tonight, Seth. Dope. All right. So, speaking about drinks, I live in Wisconsin. No. And growing up, and even as an adult, I've been kind of pressured to drink. Um, whether it was at my 21st birthday, whether it was at a high school party, uh. It's just kind of something that's always been in the background of my life. My my parents drink. My uh, beer it has always been in the house. You know, it's either been beer or wine. There's always just been alcohol available to basically the whole family. Um, for better or for worse, uh, I think as I've talked about before, you know, some of my siblings have had, you know, substance abuse problems. My older brother's... Uh, struggling alcoholic uh my mom and my dad have struggled with it so it, the the pressure to drink has always been a pretty strong one i've been pretty lucky as the thing that helped me out with the pressure to drink even growing up was i saw how much it fucked up the rest of my family and i was like i don't i don't really want a part of that <laughs> so uh i i was that and friends, through friends and stuff, I was able to make pretty positive choices around alcohol. Um, has you, like, growing up, were you ever really pressured to drink? I think a little bit. Um, like you, my parents are drinkers. They still are drinkers. They love their beer. And, you know, growing up, all the parties we had, alcohol was always flowing. And as I got into high school, I think my parents were definitely the ones that said, like, if you want to try a beer, you want to try something, feel free. You know, you have it here. We're supportive of it. I never had an interest in it. I didn't want, I didn't even want to try it. Um, not even a sip. And it got harder as my friends, the circle of friends I was with in high school started to try it. And then they found a love for it. And then they started basically hanging out with a different group of friends. And so I was kind of alienated because I was that guy that didn't drink. So, you know, in high school, I think the fact that I went through high school not drinking at all gave me a much different experience than if I probably would have. Then I would have had a whole different group of friends, I think. Um, you know, I would have went to parties in high school. I didn't really go to these, you know, high school parties with the red solo cups everywhere that you see on the movies and stuff like that. If they existed, I wasn't there. So. Um, I actually didn't have my first drink until I was probably 22. To be honest, I've been making up for it ever since. But um, yeah, I, it just it was wasn't my time yet, and I just needed to basically warm up to the fact that I wanted to try alcohol. So not no real good reason. I mean, it wasn't like there was an alcoholic in my family or anything like that. I just didn't have an urge to try it, and just didn't until I was ready. Yeah, sounds a lot actually like my wife. Um didn't really never really drank in high school didn't really drink 
even after she turned 21. It wasn't until she's like 22, 23 that she even kind of thought of the idea of like, and just drinking for leisure, you know, like every once in a while having a, a good night. I wouldn't say my wife and I were ever like really big partiers. I was never a really big partier in high school like you, but um, because of the nature uh, of the family I lived in, we definitely had parties at our house. So that was something that you know, was always an option on a weekend or something like that. If the parents were away or whatever there, if the parents were away, there was going to be a party at our house. Um, and usually I, I would be there for a little bit. I'd be like, all right, things are getting weird. I'm going to leave. <laughs> um, so I, I luckily I always had friends or something that I could, I could kind of hop off to. I don't know if you, you call this a societal pressure, but I think when I think back of my, my days as growing up as a kid, I think the, one of the things I really um, struggled with and, and is a part of my history is that I was bullied a bit because I grew up probably the smallest, if not the second smallest kid in my grade for all of elementary school. And even really when it got worse was when I got into junior high school and I was in a seventh grader in the same building as ninth graders, which ninth graders can be real dicks. Oh, yeah. Um, I was that kid that was getting slammed into lockers on the first day of school uh, because I was very small. I, you know, I was a seventh grader. I probably looked like a fourth grader. And the kids, the big kids, let me know it. Um, so my junior high experience was, especially in the first two years, I would say was not great. I don't have a lot of fond memories of, of those years. And um, it was tough growing up as a little small kid um, during that time of my life. You, I think that's something that boys really, uh, you know, that that's more of a, a boy thing. I would think is getting bullied. I, I guess, I guess probably girls get bullied for different reasons, but um, certainly being a boy uh, that was very small. Um, I was skinny, short, you know, I didn't have muscle on me really at all, but it was tough. It was real tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing, and I've talked about this before, too, a little bit. The societal pressure to, like, keep up with the Joneses as a kid. You know, like, your friends get something cool or whatever. Your friends get a video game. Um, and so that's something that you really want. That one was one of the hardest ones for me to deal with because, as you know, I pointed out before, our my family wasn't very financially well off, so I was always wearing hand-me-down clothes. You know, um, my shoes were always from Walmart or Goodwill or you know, kind of along those lines. Like it was very rare I was getting these like new things that I saw all of my friends and other people getting I'm like, you know, nothing that I really ever had access to. Um, and I just remember it being really hard <laughs> on me to, to see everybody getting all of these things and just knowing that, yeah, no, nothing I can do about that except kind of envy it from a distance. Did you get teased growing up for maybe not having the name brand shoes or the shirts or anything like oh, that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's going to be cruel, man. Yeah. I mean, bullying's no joke. No joke at all. I was ridiculously skinny growing up. Um, yeah, you could see my ribs. I mean, growing yeah, up. Yeah. So right you were you were small in, in junior high. When I was in seventh grade, I was five foot ten. Um, <laughs> wow. So I between sixth and seventh grade, I that summer I grew like eight inches or something like that. Um, it was an insane growth spurt. I was already kind of tall for my age to being really tall for my age. And then I was already skinny for my age to being ridiculously skinny because you can't possibly eat enough food in that amount of time to make up for the the height gain, you know, in width. Like it was impossible. I tried so hard. I ate so many sleeves of Chips Ahoy. Oh, my God. It did not work. So many frozen pizzas. So <laughs> and those. Girls. And the the my mom would used to get like packages of burritos, like frozen ones. I'd eat seven of those things <laughs> after school. And then my mom would be like, "What do you want for supper?" I'm like, "I don't know, whatever you want to make." She'd be like, "Are we out of burritos already?" I was like, "I swear, I just bought those." Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, going going back to the bullying thing, you know, as bad as it was for us growing up, I can't even imagine if we fast forward to today. <sighs> with the internet yeah. and cyberbullying and social media, like I'm really scared, especially cause I have girls too, um, with how it's going to be, you know, when they get to that age, when they start getting, getting on the Facebooks and the Twitters and whatever the hell. Well, else is. you know, and even the legal stuff behind it as well. Like we now have to have the conversation with our kids that you absolutely cannot show like, your genitalia <laughs> in a picture or something like that, even if you think it's funny or whatever, and you're just sending it to a friend, if they screenshot it or they take a picture of it and it gets onto the internet, you know, like that's going to be there forever. <laughs> yeah. You're getting in trouble. Definitely a, a different world uh, we live in. And I agree, you know, I, I do worry about our kids and it's just like, you just have to trust that, you know, they'll make the the best decision possible. And if they don't, you know, be there to help them through it, I guess. But the bullying is, you know, I hated being bullied. Uh, I was the anti-bully when I got big. Like I said, in, in middle school, like I got bigger. And then eighth grade, between seventh and eighth grade, I gained like 45 pounds of muscle because I was just doing, eating as much as possible, lifting every day anybody i saw bullying somebody else just like immediately come to their side that's how i gained some of my best friends that i still have to this day just randomly sticking up for them some of the other things that i i, I one of the other things that i really kind of wanted to talk about is um as weird and as hard as it is to talk about with your kids but like sex you know the the pressure to maybe have sex or to um or to not have sex like that was something that like i kind of keenly felt growing up uh because i did have older brothers who are like always talking basically to uh, like the younger siblings about it <laughs> um so it just kind of i feel like my experience was a little bit different i had I had sex pretty early. Um, I, I think I did uh, around 14 years old. Um, I'd say that's early. 
was that? I would say that's early. Yeah. Yeah. And like looking back on it, you know, I did it for all the wrong reasons, you know? <laughs> so, uh, it's something that as my kids grow older, I actually kind of look forward to having that conversation, you know, with my kids and, um, and kind of sharing my experiences with it. But like growing up, did you ever like really feel pressured one way or the other with it? Before we go there, um, I just want to go back to the point you just made. So it sounds like the way you described your first time, you almost look back with regret. Would that be fair mm-hmm. to say? Yeah. Now, so knowing that, would you say that your dad or mom talked to you about sex and prepared you, or were you completely in the dark? Somewhere in the so middle? parents, not really. Older siblings, yeah. You know, like... um. I, you know, I would say that my older siblings, I I didn't say like pushed me into doing it, encouraged it, you know, like, oh, it's so good. It's something that you can start doing, you know, Um, but it was, you know, the safety of it and and the reasons behind it, like those things were never really discussed. It was more of like a you do it to feel good sort of thing, Um, which has its own place, but definitely different than how I think about it now as as an adult <laughs> yeah I, w- I would say for me I, I don't know how much pressure i had i mean i will tell you in high school my two biggest activities were video games and magic the gathering <laughs> so that should tell you how much yeah. action i was getting in high school um i do remember and i we've touched on this before but my brother it was much more oh yeah, successful yeah, yeah in the ladies department than i was not that he was probably having sex before me. I don't, I don't really know that. But I have a memory um, as a, you know, sometime in high school, my dad taking my brother and I down to the basement and showing in his workroom. He's like, hey, up here, I've got a box of condoms. They're here. If I, you guys are free to use them, you don't have to ask or tell me anything. I don't need to know. If I happen to notice that the box is empty, I will refill it. And no questions asked. And I trust you guys and. That was basically the conversation. And this is the point of the episode where we lost both Jason and myself with the audio recorder. Um, But it's as good a place as any to leave off. We decided that we weren't really going to do the adult pressures on this episode. We were going to save that for the next episode or not the next episode, uh, an episode in the near future to talk about all the pressures that we face kind of coming into adulthood and that's going to be like going through college, uh, getting a job, um, getting married, buying a house, and then talk about the additional pressures we face as parents. I think all of those things are really important and they deserve quality time for both Jason and I to discuss it. Now, the next episode, I'm going to, I'm just going to give you a little teaser. It's going to be our first listicle episode. And it has to involve... The the only thing I'm going to say is that it has to involve meat. So you take that however you want. Um, But between then and now, make sure to check out all of our social media posts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those will be in the description 
for this episode of the podcast. And don't forget to check out the new merchandise that we have available on Teespring. I'll also make sure to have a link for that. But until then, dads, stay off duty if possible. <laughs>